You're listening to Pre-Cana with the Pope, a podcast aimed at restoring confidence in marriage and family life. Hey there, everyone. This is Monica, and welcome to episode one of the second year of Pre-Cana with the Pope. In today's episode, we have the utmost privilege of chatting with Dr. Bob Schutz. Together, we talk about marriage as a sacrament of healing, how we can restore compassion and connection into our relationship, and ways to deepen our intimacy with one another. We're so happy you're here with us. Let's jump in. Hey there, everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us again. Um, We have a really special episode today, Um, a wonderful guest. We're so excited that he (laughs) said yes to our our message to join us. Um, We have Dr. Bob Schutz. Um, He is the author of Be Healed, Be Devoted, Be Transformed. Um, And he also um, is so gracious to have started a healing ministry with the page under the patronage of St. John Paul the Great, who obviously we love. Um, and we also love that he has joined joined team with his daughter. So this is a whole family affair and his brother. Um, so we just are so grateful that he is here with us today. So would you like to share more about yourself and, and how you came to be Dr. Bob Schutz today? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, um, Monica. Uh, it's good to be with you both, and I love the passion you have for strengthening marriages. It's it's so needed. Uh, it is really so needed. And, you know, probably like you, it came out of uh, my own struggles, as I talk about and Be Devoted. And uh, I had been, you know, growing up in a family where we had a strong Catholic f- foundation, went to Catholic schools and my parents were teaching marriage in the church when their marriage, you know, just went to hell basically. Uh, and, uh, so experiencing both a time of a good marriage and then a time of destruction. And a lot of it was their unhealed wounds that they hadn't dealt with and, uh, patterns of sin. And, and so growing up, marriage was really important to me. And yet my heart was wounded in a way that I couldn't trust. Uh, you know, and, and I didn't know, I didn't know that my heart was still, uh, very self-protected because of what I'd grown up with. And, um, so as I talk about and be devoted, I went into my marriage fully intending to be married for a lifetime and loving my wife well. And, uh, we had our children, everything was going well. And then I hit this place of difficulty. And so, so much of uh, even though I'd been trained as a marriage and family therapist and I had um, been doing, you know, parish work even and, and teaching community level marriage and family, you know, none of us are exempt from needing that redemption in our own hearts. And that was certainly where I was. Uh, and and so so much of my passion came after I got into a time of struggle, experienced an encounter with the Lord like you both have, and uh, and then discovering John Paul II's teaching. And it fit everything I learned as a, in graduate school and teaching, but it just put it in the context of my faith in such a way and with such depth and insight that really made a difference. Yeah. So I, I was married for 42 years, 
and then uh, my wife died five years ago. So I've been uh, on the backside of our marriage, if you want to say. Uh, and so, give, you know, it's a different perspective and, and grateful for everything and also uh, able to, to look through the years with a different mm-hmm. lens now, uh, looking in hindsight. And then I have two daughters. And as you mentioned, one both of them have been involved in the ministry. One is a speaker and writer and the other in the background. And my sons-in-law started praying for them before they were born, or before my daughters were born. And uh, mm-hmm. just God gave us two great son-in-laws and uh, we have 11 grandchildren. Wow. Yeah, so. What a beautiful! It's been, it's been a gift. I'm ju- I'm jumping ahead, but I in be devoted. The phrase "legacy of love," like oh, it swept uh, me off my feet. Like yeah. I just yeah. took my breath away to think of that. And um, so you're you're just living living that right now with with your beautiful family as it's growing. And um, yeah, yeah, and it's and it's neat because so we both um came from families where our parents' marriages ended in divorce. Um, And so Mm -hmm. we entered marriage. We talk often about, you know, we had the Catholic upbringing and we, um, so we went in with marriage with the goal of not getting divorced (laughs) instead Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. what should we do? It was, well, we don't want that. Um, And, and now like piecemealing all these, these tools and these, this wisdom from the church has been a journey. Um, but that legacy of love has kind of become a little bit of a motivator for us to think of, well, what do we want mm-hmm. for our children and for, for our future family? Um, yeah, and and I, I know I mentioned earlier, we, I mentioned off here, um, how uh, reading Be Healed helped me a ton in, in my uh, my role as husband and father. And, and similarly, there was wounds that I didn't realize weren't healed or, or even needed to be healed or that could be healed. Um, and I don't know mm-hmm. if you could speak a little bit to why healing is such an important aspect of the gospel message in, in, in Catholicism in the Christian life. Yeah, I'll, I'll quote Pope Benedict XVI, and he said, healing is the essential dimension of the apostolic life and of Christianity, which we tend to think of it as, well, it's a nice extra if you need it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he puts it right in the center, which is where Jesus put it. You know, it's uh, we need healing because we are living in a broken world and we've become self-centered and sin has wounded all of us. Uh, and no matter how good our families are, even if we didn't come from a family that had broken parents, so all of us have experienced woundedness in our childhood, in our teenage years, in our adult years, by our own sin and by the things that have happened to us. And so it's it's just something that takes a while sometimes for us to acknowledge. Uh, it did for me. But we all need it. And that healing is growing in integration and wholeness and communion, which is what God designed for all of us. And so wherever we feel like we're longing for greater love and intimacy is a place where we need healing. Yeah. And you you shared a little bit before through through the wisdom of St. John Paul II. Um, I mean, the integrated life, the wholeness of life is something that he spoke so um so intimately on, um, and, and his, his bringing in the, the psychology of the human person and the physicality of the human Mm -hmm. person, the spirituality, all of that. Can you share maybe if you remember how, like, how did you first, how were you first introduced to him or what, what really like drew you to that, that message to bring and share that with others? 
Yeah, he became Pope around the time that I was getting married and starting a family. So he became Pope a little bit. I think we had already had our first child and we were ex- expecting our second. But he was kind of in the background for me mm-hmm. uh, through the first years of our family life. Uh, I knew he was there and knew about him. But I don't think I'd ever really read anything that he had written. And I don't even remember how I came across it, but I remember reading The Splendor of Truth, his encyclical, The Splendor of Truth. And my heart was just on fire reading it. It was just like, this is so real and true and uh, impactful. And not too long after that, maybe a couple years after that, somebody was telling me about Christopher West's work uh, in the theology of the body. And... uh, gave me a book, uh, Good News Sex About Sex and Marriage, I think was the name of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, within a year after that, Christopher called me. He had heard about our work. And oh. I ended up doing stuff with him and teaching marriage courses, uh, a marriage conference with him and other conference with him. And uh, just really delve, dove into a deeper, starting with Christopher and then that led me to really want to read it originally, The Theology of the Body, mm-hmm. and a lot of his other writings over that time. So uh, that that made enough impact that that became the patron of our ministry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. As it is yours. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, because it, that's like a similar story of you had you found the book Be Healed. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was while Renzo was a stay-at-home dad. We um, There was just a lot of things in life that were not going right. And and of course we didn't see the the root of what the problem was and we were just trying to fix we were trying to fix the external things so we switched roles cuz we thought maybe it was a career issue and um and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so he found be healed and love and responsibility at about the same time. And mm-hmm. you were kind of reading those simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um as well as Redemptor's Redemptorus Custos. Custos. So, yeah, guarding the Redeemer. Yeah. So it was for our listeners who may not <laughs> might may not be up on the Latin. Exactly. So Saint Joseph, Saint John Paul, and Doctor Bob yeah, <laughs> came yeah. came to the rescue. Um, That's good company. Yeah, yeah, it was very good company, and it's just kind of this this whole again this this whole well roundedness of the person, and and it uh, with love and responsibility in, in our intimate life, and then. Um, your fatherhood and your and being a husband with mm-hmm. St. Joseph and then the psychology of this. And and I would say the one thing that helped us so much, because he shared so much of what he read and and be healed was that those phrases of root and fruit. And it gave us like uh-huh. a language to now communicate better about, okay, here we're having this disagreement, this argument, this this full on battle here about these fruits, where are they coming from? And it really challenged us. Um, where did that imagery come to you from the root and fruit? It was so mm-hmm. helpful for us. I don't know. Can you maybe explain that a little bit? Yeah, it came from the scriptures. Uh, it's uh, I discovered after kind of re-looking at the whole thing, you know, Christopher West and John Paul II talk about marriage being a theme that runs through. But also from the beginning to the end of the scripture, the image of trees and the way that trees are rooted is present from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. Mm. And you see it in Psalm 1. You know, a tree planted in living in good ground and living water bears much fruit. Uh, 
You see it in Revelation, the same idea, uh, leaves for healing. And, the, and so that notion, Jesus said, I came to, uh, you know, he, a good, good fruit, what is it? A good tree bears good fruit, bad tree bears bad fruit. And I came to, to call repentance to cut down the tree from the roots, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, so all of that imagery came from scripture. And then I began to connect it back to the work that I'd done uh, in my work and realizing that people's struggles at this level are always symptomatic of something deeper going on, mm-hmm. almost always. Mm-hmm. And and so it's the two made a connection for me mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and, and and sorry not to harp too much on, on Be Healed, but we loved it so much, at least in my mm-hmm. own story. Um so at that time in our marriage, I was not struggling with with pornography anymore. Um, but your book helped me realize that that lust was still deeply rooted. That and I didn't realize that. I thought that the the behavior that was and also you also go in and be healed. You go into um, oh I'm, I'm I'm blanking, but I know that there's like there's 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 a vice that you're attached to because there's there's a deeper wound that needs to be healed. Um, and you have the whole ana- anatomy of a wound in there too, and that helped me realize that that the lust that was still at the root needed to be healed in a way that I hadn't I had never even considered because I was always focused on the outside behavior and mm-hmm. and and trying to behavior manage rather than allow healing to take place. So I don't know if you how can someone differentiate between those two things? Yeah, you did you express that well. And I think that unfortunately that's the culture we live in. Uh we want to we want to treat the symptoms fix the problems, uh, get in control, uh, all those things. And um, even even in the church, we can have a tendency to look at things at the surface level. Not that the church does, but we can, as practicers, just say, well, I went to confession for that, mm-hmm. so I dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Well, the confession for that is essential because it opens it up to grace and to life and forgiveness. But uh, as you're describing, if you go to confession for the use of pornography, that's a tremendous grace. You're bringing it out into the light. It's it's breaking its power. There's grace there, but there's a whole whole system of images and experiences and desires that are underlying the surface of that. And you know, using pornography as an example, um, as I've walked with people. And let me just say, all of us, whether we have pornography in our life or not, all of us have lust in our life. It's it's part of our fallen nature. You know, it, it may look different for different people, but lust is the longing for communion, mm. which we all have, taken into our own hands. Mm. And so spouses with each other without any sexual imagery at all can lust after one another by trying to get each other to fill their need for communion. Mm. Wow. Right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So it's much it's much deeper as a sin than the surface issues. But even beneath the sin as you're describing are places where communion's been broken in our lives. Mm. So we all talked about the experience of our parents divorcing. That's a that's a huge breaking of communion. Mm-hmm. And because when the two become one, the children experience the love of the parents in themselves and in their family. Uh, whatever tension or brokenness is in the parents' relationship is in the heart of the child. 
because the child is experiencing that in their family environment. Mm-hmm. Mm. And and so that creates a, a separation in the heart. You know, like we can't live in the pain of that separation, so we then close our hearts off, mm. uh, which is the condition that I found myself in. You probably both yeah. discovered that mm-hmm. as well. Um, and and so that's the, the deeper territory of where lust grows. It grows from a place of, of separation, and then whatever judgments we make and vows we make, that just increases that. Mm. Right. And, and, and shifting from there to marriage, um, you have a great uh, – you quote Tertullian in Be Devoted as a way of showing the – you know, what, what marriage, the vision of marriage that, that the church desires for us. Um, and how do you see that type of healing that we do, that we need? Um, how do you see marriage taking part in that or, or being like the, the main catalyst for it that God wants to use? Yeah. If, if you think about marriage as the sacrament of communion, right. And the, the other sacraments are all sacraments of communion, but, but marriage is a sacrament of communion between man and woman. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have the grace for communion with each other, with the other sacraments helping with that. And love heals. The sacraments are healing. And so as we enter into the sacraments, and let's take the sacrament of marriage as the prime example. As we enter into the sacrament of marriage, there's grace given there to overcome all of those areas of our life where we struggle so that we can live in that kind of communion. At the same time, marriage brings up to the surface all those places where we're not living in communion, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's healing in that sense too. You know, the, the crisis we each went through in our marriages by facing those things was part of the healing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could have continued living on in the surface and not dealt with those things and lived in disconnection and, you know, maybe then repeated the pattern of your families. But your awareness and the pain of that was part of the healing. And it was the sacrament of marriage that kept you together to focus on that. Because if you're just dating it, say, well, this isn't going to work. We'll just go away. Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said before, that that the theme of root and fruit carried throughout Scripture. And then that theme of of marriage, right? And, And the fallenness of Adam and Eve is redeemed in Christ and his church and his, his marriage to us essentially. Right. And and that, that self gift. Um, but often it's confusing because we, we don't live always in that redeemed marriage. We live in the fallen marriage, striving for the redeemed marriage. marriage. Um, and that sometimes our spouse is the, is the light that shines and it's, it's a painful, it's a painful light sometimes (laughs) to identify those things. Um, in us yeah. that that need healing. Um, uh, what what advice would you give to couples? Because we've had just in in our in our short time um, with our with our podcast and our our you know our our small little ministry, we still have people uh, come to us and and say that they recognize that there's there's issues in their marriage that they want to address, but typically one spouse is open and the other feels like everything's fine, or just feels like well, this is the way I am. You know, I'm going to have these struggles. Um, particularly in the area of, of lust and pornography, there's a lot of uh, wives that we've we've been able to talk to that their husbands struggle, and that there's every you know there's excuses or rationalizations, but they they want to ha- fix things, but they don't know how to start. Yeah, uh, that's a big question. Sorry. Uh, let me just say in 
No, that's okay. That's a good question. It's just it's there's a lot of pain in that for both sides of that, even if it's not acknowledged. Um, I think going back to the sacrament, when we make our vows on the day of our wedding, our vows are unconditional and unilateral. That is, I as a husband make a vow to love my wife with the love of Christ, freely, fully, faithfully, fruitfully. Uh, and what does that look like if the spouse isn't loving me that way, right? Or if I'm not loving her that way, if she's made that vow? Uh, it's still the same. But what does love look like in that situation is the question. It doesn't look like judgment. It doesn't look like resentment. It doesn't look like bitterness. It doesn't look like withdrawal. But it looks like speaking the truth in love and standing firm. And so for a wife, for example, whose husband's struggling with pornography, uh, who may live in fear that if she's not sexually intimate, he's going to go to the pornography, uh, needs to have the courage to love him well by saying, I'm not going to be sharing my myself, my body with you while you're fantasizing about other women. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's love. Yeah. That's speaking the truth in love. And then the husband has a choice. What am I going to choose? Am I going to choose my marriage or am I going to choose pornography? Yeah. Uh, now, she says it with a lot of compassion. She says it in a way that allows him to open up about his struggle and the difficulty of overcoming that. But she doesn't compromise the integrity of their marriage by continuing living out of fear or living out of a sense of being uh, used in that way. Because what, inevitably what happens the, the, when a husband's looking at pornography or if a wife's looking at pornography, because mm-hmm. now there's a lot more Absolutely. women who are doing yeah. that too, or reading romance novels, which is another form of pornography, right? Yeah. Uh, so when that's happening, the spouse feels used. Yeah. It, it, you know, there, there's no way that a spouse can't feel used, and they begin to get compared to the pornography. They get to manipulated to to do whatever's in the pornography. And again, I'll speak about it from the one who's using the pornography in a second. But in that situation. Uh, that awareness of I feel used needs to be a signal in the heart of the person who's feeling used to say, I'm not participating in using each other mm-hmm. or in being used. I'm not this not this is not our sacrament. I'm I'm here to live our sacrament together. So what is that going to be looking like? And what kind of fasting do we need to have mm-hmm. between us so that this can be dealt with so that we can really love each other? Now, on the part of the person who's struggling with the pornography, as as we're talking about it, the, the compassion is needed because it's often started much younger in life, mm-hmm. and it was used as a means of survival or coping yeah. uh, in in places of medicating pain, and it's an addiction. And so there needs to be not only strength but compassion. And so the person who's who's engaged in the pornography. Uh, needs to experience the love to say, okay, I can be real with you. I can be honest with you without going into details. And I can bring things out in the open with you and let you know where my struggle is. And then we can heal together. Mm. Uh, That's a whole different approach than what happens in a lot of Mm. relationships where it's either 
going along with or standing back in anger and demanding. Right. You know, neither one of those is helpful. Right. Because like because of the gift of the sacrament our marriage is supposed to be a safe place for that healing right and the and the one yep. who is fearful of of being rejected or being used you know if i if i stand up for the sacrament and the way that it's meant to be um i may get rejected or i may yes. um you know if we're not intimate then am i going to feel loved i need to feel loved you know mm -hmm. so maybe i will compromise mm -hmm. and feel a partial love mm -hmm. or what have you. And then like you said on the yep. on the other side that deeper root of where did this fruit start from and and that needs to be healed. So our our marriage is meant to be that safe place for that. Yep. And so the, so the person using the pornography also needs to feel safe enough to venture right. into the healing. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. as well. You know, I think of Christ saying, "Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' mm -hmm. sake." You know, and and a, and a spouse that stands up mm. and speaks the truth may be persecuted, may be rejected. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's where the security mm. in him comes from, mm -hmm. uh, which is really difficult in marriage because this is the person we've given our life to. Right. Mm -hmm. And our whole, you know, we, we've left everything to be with our spouse. And uh, we have children that are dependent on us oftentimes. And it's not an easy thing at all yeah. to take that position to say, I'm going to stand here in, in love, in truth, mm. for healing. And that's why I love the resources that you've created in these books. Um, you know, to be devoted in particular is, is encouraged to be done as a couple, you know, with the discussion mm -hmm. questions and the prayer and the activities to be done together that, but it's done and written in such a way you, you were masterful at, it, it's something that anyone can read. Like you're not picking this up and it's what words is he even saying? He's using all these psychological terms or over-spiritualizing there. It's just a very real, um, tangible thing to, that can be done together. And I think I would encourage couples if this is something, whether the, whether these vices and sin are what you're struggling with, or if it's something else, it's career and money fights or, 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 disagreement over how to parent or how to set boundaries with in-laws, that these be devoted and be healed. These are ways that you can do this together and have almost like a third party bring up the conversation instead of the spouse being the one that brings it up in a way. Uh -huh. It's a little bit safer. Yeah, it, it does make a difference. Yeah, like it does make a difference. have you ever, you yeah. know, kind of knowing the answer, but like, have you ever yeah. experienced yeah. this kind of thing before, you know, and, and, um, yeah. It, it softens it a little bit, I think. So I am just grateful for you providing that kind of uh, resource and that kind of language for spouses to be able to yeah, yeah. to break into Thank this you. healing. Thank you. And I, a couple of things with that. One is that so, you know, in the situation where only one spouse is working, they can do the activities themselves, mm -hmm. the, the questions, the exercises, a lot of them. And the other thing is, even if a couple is not struggling. You know, the whole first part of the book is just building a deeper yes. intimacy. It's mm -hmm. not focused on healing. Yes. And so uh, that can really facilitate it. The other is uh, in Be Restored, I really focus on the sexual healing. And so there's a lot of good tools there if somebody's struggling in that particular area. Yeah. Thank you. And now for couples that may not, so maybe they don't have any, any, you know, any of the, the vices that, that typically um, may, may affect 
relationships. Um, but they are at a place where they feel like they, they want a deeper intimacy and not just emotionally, but like a spiritual intimacy. They want their marriage to, to, you know, now like for us, for example, we're 10 years in, how do we make the next 10 years Mm -hmm. even greater than the first 10? Um, how, how could couples go about doing that? Yeah, and that's what the beginning of that mm-hmm. book is, is looking at the five areas of unity or intimacy in marriage. And and I think these are these need to be, in some sense, in order, built in this order, uh, although we can work on one or another at different times. And so the spiritual unity in the marriage is key. You know, the, the, the house built on a rock, who is Christ, mm-hmm. uh, that's the foundation of a marriage, which is the sacrament. Uh, the second is emotional intimacy, which is how do we vulnerably, how do we trust each other? You're talking about safety, Monica. How do we trust each other so that we can become vulnerable? Mm-hmm. And how can we respect that vulnerability even in the middle of conflict? Mm-hmm. How do we work through that? How do we share our deeper feelings? That that uh, That's always a growing thing throughout all of marriage. And it's uh, something women have more of a natural disposition to than men do of being vulnerable and sharing our feelings. But a, a, a man desires that mm-hmm. if he's safe enough. And a woman usually leads a man in that way. Not always, but oftentimes. So spiritual unity, emotional intimacy, cooperative teamwork. Mm-hmm. That is, how do we look at the things that we do here together and apart and do it in a cooperative way rather than in a uh, isolated way or in a, um, you know, like you have to do this because I'm doing this. You know, how do we cooperate not only in work but also in play? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that leads into the next part, which is companionship. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we spend time with each other? And, you know, I talk in Be Devoted after Margie died. Uh, just that awareness of all the things that were just part of our everyday life that I took for granted, like waking up next to her at in the bed or sitting on the couch next to her holding her hand or giving her a kiss before I leave to work and, you know, going off on a trip and picking up the phone and realizing she's not on the other end of the phone, you know, the first time. And all of those things are just like, wow, those were invisible to me Mm. because they were so normal. But that companionship is what just builds that daily trust and connection. And then out of those four, so I'll repeat it, Spiritual unity, emotional intimacy, cooperative teamwork. Uh, what did I? Companionship. Call, uh, companionship. Companionship. Yeah, yeah. I, I reverse those. Companionship, and then the the last one is sexual intimacy. Right, and the sexual intimacy in our culture, we go to sexual intimacy before we have any of the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's the feel good part of relationship, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't feel good if the other four aren't built there over a period of time, mm-hmm. and that'll break down really quickly if the other four aren't there. And so it's it's really the fulfillment of a healthy intimacy rather than the immediate satisfaction of of pleasure. Yeah, uh, and I know you've had Gregory Pop Popcheck on mm-hmm. his book uh, yeah. Holy Sex and. He talks about eroticism versus, uh, you know, true love. Yeah. And, you know, the, the true love gives of itself. Uh, eroticism, lust takes from the other. Yeah. 
and we begin to feel used when we're living in that. Mm. And so if we have spiritual unity and we're learning how to love each other with Christ's love, we're vulnerable and intimate with each other in our emotions, and we feel connected emotionally, and then we're able to have the companionship together and work out differences between us, that mutual submission, Mm -hmm. then our sexual intimacy is a beautiful body, soul, spirit integration. If it's not, then we start to feel used and we disconnect. And so it's in both persons' interest to build those other foundations so that all five of those things can bring enjoyment and connection in the marriage and unity. Yeah. Yeah. As former um, athletes and athletic coaches, I particularly love the cooperative teamwork section because, (laughs) because just to, um, I mean, the athletics was, was a helpful um, image for me, but how often do we see or hear, or even sometimes in our own marriages experience where we are like coexisting in the same home Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we have our, Mm -hmm. our separate things that we're doing and we might fill each other in on, on what's happening with them, but we're not always a part of those, of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly with, um, you know, with having young kids now that the teamwork definitely needs to be there or, or the house falls apart. Um, but I loved, I loved that idea of, of the cooperative, the cooperative teamwork. Um, and you gave some really great useful tools in in the book to share about that. Um, but could you maybe the, yeah, the other one that, could, that touched my heart was the companionship, right? And the and the playing together. Can yeah. you expand on that a little bit? Because I think I think that's something that is missing. You do a lot when you're dating and engaged, but then that mm-hmm. you lose some of that. Can you share what does what do you mean when you say play? Yeah. Uh play is both an attitude and experience. I uh, Sister Miriam, who teaches with us, does this whole talk on play, and she says, play is an experience of living in heaven together. Mm. <laughs> what a great you know, line. That's really an interesting thing, yeah. And you think about it, think about how children bond. They bond through play mm-hmm. and how much time they spend in playing. Yeah. And, you know, I played sports too, and how much connection happens when you're playing side by side with somebody mm. in a sports and how much enjoyment is there. And so play is just shared joy. Mm. You know, whether it's laughing together, whether it's uh, going to entertainment together, whether it's going on a date together, whether it's uh, getting down on the ground with the kids and playing a game, or whether it's uh, going out and playing a sport together, or whatever that is, it's it's a very different kind of interaction. Because the seriousness of responsibility has gone from it. Mm-hmm. And there's just this freedom of heart that we can just exchange with each other. And yeah, I think oftentimes we get into that stage when children are there and we have all the responsibility and work and everything. It's really easy to let that one go, mm-hmm. but it's really a very important one to keep the the joy in the marriage together and, and to find things uh, that you both like to do together. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sometimes a challenge mm-hmm. uh, as, as you're each going into your own own way. I think too, it's some, it's something, uh, it's a lost art to learn to enjoy something that someone else enjoys <laughs> just because they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like I may not like it on the surface. I, you know, if, if you just asked me to do it by myself, I never would. But if I were to do it right. with you, 
I find enjoyment because I watch you enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And, and so would you come to a water park with me? What would be an example of that? <laughs> that was the, I asked her if she'd come to a water park with me. We, that was the big debate. Uh, he was like, we should bring our kids to a water park. And I'm like, that sounds like the worst <laughs> idea I've ever heard. <laughs> and he's like, but I, you know, that was just a memory of his like, childhood. I, I, that he I, I love water parks. She's like, I would yeah. never. Like, okay. Yeah. So this is a new thing we've learned <laughs> as of yesterday. Not her play personality. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I did learn yeah. how to play Pokemon though. So. Yes. Um, but anyway, so yeah. I, I, um, I think sometimes that there, there can be a resistance to that. And I, I just, I guess I would just encourage the listeners to just try it out because there's something about doing something that the other really enjoys that you find it enjoyable just because you're doing it together. Yeah, I'll, right? I'll give, I'll give two examples, one positive and one negative, uh, on that. One is when we were dating, uh, Margie and I were looking for a, a sport together. So I gave her a tennis racket on her birthday. It wasn't, it was probably my fifth sport, you know, it wasn't anything uh, really important to me, but I enjoyed it. So we'd go out and try to play tennis and that lasted about two weeks and that was it. And, uh, and yet when we were older, she would love to watch, come home and watch uh, HGTV. Mm-hmm. I could care less. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't wasn't anything that did anything for me. But it was a moment where she was quiet and sitting and I could sit there and hold her hand and it was really a moment that I really missed yeah. after she was gone. And it was I ended up getting interested in the shows and those kind of things. It wasn't anything that I would have found a draw to. Uh and then she did that in lots of ways. I mean, I think women do that easier than men in some ways. Uh, which is uh, let go of their interest for the interest of the, mm. of the man, but not always. Sometimes it's the other way around. I might, yeah. I, I submitted to a water park being maybe a good idea <laughs> at some point. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but you, you did. You also, I, I didn't mean to say it, but that the mutual submission phrase that you you yeah. have that in in the book, but you I, and I've I've heard you speak of that often, and I think. Man, that's such a hot topic, right? Often with uh, yeah. Ephesians, and yeah. um, can yeah. you expand a little bit on that mutual submission, maybe in the in the realm of companionship and teamwork and all that? Yes, uh, in our unveiled marriage conferences, that's always the place that the couples have the most difficulty yeah. in the whole weekend, yeah. <laughs> and it what it exposes is our need to be in control. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and our lack of trust. And and so it's really a good activity just to bring that to the surface so that we can see it. Um, so I'll, I'll share the story that I share and be devoted, which I'll share, try to share it quickly, which is uh, my wife wanted a new house for about 10 years. And I thought we were in our final house. And our final house, in my mind, was big enough. It was 1,100 square feet. And we had two children. We didn't need more. Uh, we entertained my family, which was very big. I'm one of seven children. And uh, it was right before my brother died. And it was the last Christmas we had together. And we had, I thought, a great time. But Margie in that house, who was trying to care for everybody, just felt overwhelmed in the house. So we got into a big argument afterwards. Uh, 
about her wanting a house. And I was angry, silently angry, got up, walked around the block and was praying. And the Lord convicted me that I needed to surrender. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, I'm right here. No, no big deal. I'll surrender. You know, mm -hmm. that wasn't very helpful, but the willingness to surrender was a, was a step. So when I came back, I apologized and told her I would surrender, and I was just open to discern God's will. Well, she that night also surrendered. So both of us made a submission of our will to God's will. Mm -hmm. Within three weeks, we had a new house, <laughs> wow. mm. uh, which we've been f silently fighting over for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, th that doesn't mean, you know, one of the things I talk about in that book is enthusiastic agreement. Yep. That submission doesn't mean doing something you don't want to do. Yes. Mm. It means something that you come to realize that you really want to do because of the grace of doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's an enthusiastic agreement that we bought that house. And we were both very happy in that house. Yeah. It was the house our children uh, were teenagers in, got married when we were in that house. I mean, there's a lot of good memories wow. in that house that we then moved to a smaller house after kids left. Yeah. But I think uh, you. I th and and God, God was so powerfully in it. He just provided everything that we needed, which were all my concerns. Yeah. And, I think uh, that's. He took care of all of them. I think that's what you're like when you said the mutual submission was actually both of you submitting to God's will, right? A mutual submission right. is not submitting necessarily to the will of the other while it's it is when that will that. is aligned with God's will. Right. But it's really right. the mutual yes. submission is both of us submitting to God's will, yeah. trusting in his providence and his protection and provision, you know, and then enthusiastically, like, cause sometimes one of us just hears that better than the other, <laughs> right. That, yeah. and, and, or just yes. are more attuned yeah. to it at the time. And, um, yeah. So sometimes yeah. it looks like going along with what the other spouse is saying, but in truth, it's really through his grace that we're we're following his will. Yes, and it's really helpful even if the spouse has a sense of what God wants for them to submit it mm. also. Mm. So it doesn't feel like, well, this is what God wants and I'm right and you just need to do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It's uh my heart is open to what God wants, and your heart is open to what God wants, and that's going to be where we're happiest together. Mm -hmm. And so that posture is really important. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's a great, great story. Yeah. That's great. Now, um, sorry, I lost my thought. Oh, I you had, I, I had saw, a, I, had I saw a, your face. You had wheels sorry. turning. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we talked about that. I'm just looking at our list of things to make sure we covered all the ideas. Um, so kind of, I, I guess going along with um, companionship and teamwork and then this this mutual submission to like the, the plan that God has for us. Do you have that? I now? remember now. Go right. ahead. Sorry. Take it away. I'm sorry. I'll, it'll sound better when I edit this. Um, <laughs> uh, now, if if because you're trained also, you're professionally trained in, in um, psychology and psychotherapy, at, at what point would you – tell a couple that it's t that they need additional assistance um in in in, in, in whether it be counseling or, or anything else like is there have you do you do you ever broach that like how, how do you go about that or or even just with the listeners yeah well i haven't been a marriage therapist for about six or seven years but when i was 
practicing marriage and family therapy, and I was working with a couple, and I began to realize that this is more than just them not being able to work things out. There was something more deeply rooted. I would actually do that work with the spouse present with them there mm. as long as both of them were willing. Mm. Wow. So we would get to a point in the situation, and there would be an impasse. And rather than keep trying to, you know, what is it called? Beat a dead horse. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, keep trying to force something that wasn't happening. It would stop and say, okay, what's going on inside right now? Wow. And then from there, we would go from the fruit to the roots mm. and often enter into prayer. And then the spouse could see that this wasn't about them. This was about something else that was going mm. on and that they were being triggered. And so it really actually built a vulnerability and an intimacy mm-hmm. and brought healing to the person all at the same time. Wow. I think there's something beautiful about that shared experience then because, again, there's that. this is not about me. So I can also loosen yeah. my grip on this situation and allow um, allow mercy into these. So again, the behavior might not always be correct, but I can see that this is something else. And I can, I don't want to say like take it because sometimes it that mm-hmm. behavior needs to be yeah. addressed. But to a certain extent of I'm going to let this air out first. And then, okay, what you said wasn't kind or what you said, you know, I, I don't think that's what you really meant, but I'm here to support you in this thing that we've uncovered. Um, yes. And and if you're, let's say you're in that situation, and let's go back to the pornography and you're there together, and obviously you're sharing your hurt and there's anger and there's frustration and you're feeling shame and you're feeling withdrawal and all those things that go on in that kind of dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then resentment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we we turn and we begin to focus and we, let's say, pray and say, God, would you show us where this is rooted? You mm-hmm. know, like, you know, imagine the images that are in your mind with the pornography mm-hmm. and what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. And Lord, where is this rooted? And the Lord brings you back to six years old or 12 years old or whatever's going on there. Uh and the shame that you felt when you looked at pornography for the first time, or the pain that you felt when the relationship with your dad was broken, mm. yeah. uh, or whatever, whatever that moment is, immediately at that moment, your heart moves in compassion for that child. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And now you have two visions. You have the husband who's hurting you and the little boy who's hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so now when you see the husband who's hurting you, you can also see the little boy that's hurt. Yeah. Uh, and that makes such a world of difference in developing real compassion, not just I have to be merciful to you, but I feel compassionate yeah. towards yeah. you in this place. Yeah. And then you as the husband say, oh, my wife's with me here. Yeah. She's not against yeah. me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And those times... And, and we're both in this together. And those times often in those wounding experiences, we feel so isolated and alone, mm. right? And that's where marriage yep. can be this healing yep. sacrament because yes. now I'm no longer alone in this in yep. this pain. I, um, I went on an undone retreat, which is one of the um, yeah. things that happened in your, that you've provided with your ministry as well. That's so beautiful. And that was a very impactful exercise was this, this imagery exercise of, um, 
putting yourself either like putting yourself back in that situation as a child or even reading through scripture and imagining yourself as one of the I'm going to put air quotes around characters in the story with Jesus and and imagine that mm-hmm. you are the woman at the well the the man on the uh, the paralyzed the paralytic man or the leper you know all these things and put or even the Pharisee or the put yourself in right. somebody else's um position and just imagine that that imaginative exercise um was really remarkable for me to to do and i is there is there like a way that couples can maybe do that to get, like would you recommend doing that through scripture and then talking about it or i don't know what's something that we can maybe yeah, do yeah in fact the most recent book i have right now is that uh, it's taking the 10 scriptures from be healed it's called do you want to be healed and having mm-hmm praying through them imaginatively for mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. And for a couple to do that together, I think would be really rich. Mm-hmm. And, and it calls for a whole different level of um, selflessness if if you are uh-huh. seeing the person with compassion. Because then you have to you have to put uh-huh. aside all of your reservations and your defensiveness and and your your uh, maybe yeah. skewed feelings of justice and really you just see the person and, and you love the person and and even for couples that are listening that, that maybe even a little intimidated by by even just doing the, the 10 verses you just said and do you want to be healed? Um, but like that's the selflessness that we're being called to. That like even your your fear of like that, you know, something might come up that I'm not aware of or I don't want to address this, yeah. but like that's part of what you're called to in marriage. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And I think the more that trust builds between you, the easier those things are mm-hmm. because you know that uh, – Okay, even if we go here and it's uncomfortable, we're gonna grow closer through this rather than get in an argument and hurt each other and push each other away, even though that could happen too. Yeah. So day to day, these are we've kind of been talking about a lot of the the bigger things. Day to day, are there any healthy habits that we can do as a couple to maybe like solidify that trust or create that that safety, that feeling of safety in our home as we then approach these kinds of experiences? Yeah, th- those exercises in the first part of the book are meant to be that. And when we do our unveiled retreats, um, we have the couples do each of these activities for five minutes each. And so I say to the couples after they're done and they've found the fulfillment, and I said, do you have enough time to do five minutes each mm-hmm. to spend with each other? Yeah. Uh, and most couples will say, yeah, we have five minutes. Because yeah. uh, that's always the excuse. Well, we just don't have the time right. for each other. Yes. Right. So one of the exercises, uh, very simple, but it's for building spiritual intimacy, is praying the Our Father together, but praying it specific to your relationship. And so just feel this, all the couples out there, all the individuals out there, feel this as it's prayed slowly for your relationship. Mm. Our Father, we're both children of the same Father. Hallowed be thy name. We're here to worship you. May your kingdom come and your will be done, submission, in our marriage. Give us this day our daily needs so that we're not going to be anxious and trying to force each other into meeting our daily needs. Give us our daily needs. Forgive us our trespasses against you as we forgive each other, the ways that we've hurt each other. 
lead us not into temptation, to anger, to pornography, to lust, whatever that is, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory. Amen. Mm. You, you, you feel the power of that, yeah. doing that together? Yeah. And that's a summation of our life in Christ. Wow. Right? What a, what a beautiful exercise that, that even if they want to start there right. and pray in the Our Father together. Wow. And to do that, yeah. Another, to do yeah. that daily, Go right? Ahead. Like that's a that's a powerful experience yep. once. Yep. But then to do that daily yeah. is just yeah. you then root your relationship in that instead of what you put ever. everything back in its right yeah. place, right? And you had yeah. you had and one more thing. I also have, yeah. Yeah. Well, I also have couples pray blessings over each other. Just a minute blessing. Mm-hmm. What they are desiring, how they want to bless and give thanks to God for their spouse or ask the Lord for something for the spouse that they desire for them. Um, But then an emotional intimacy, a very simple exercise can happen a couple minutes, is what we call joy stories. Okay, What was the experience today that left you feeling most joyful? You know, we're so often experiencing the rough times, but how often do we share the joyful times? Mm. And it's a real bonding, you know, and... One spouse shares, the other spouse just listens and empathizes, and then you switch. It just takes five minutes. So great. So great. It makes me think, I'm sorry, this is, I'm like looking behind you. So you have a quiet moment up behind you on the shelf, and we have ours behind behind us. And I just kept thinking (laughs) about that, like those five minutes of, so the, the, sorry, People are listening to a podcast, so they can't see what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> so it's a it's a statue of Joseph holding Mary, Mary holding Jesus, and they're kind of all wrapped together. Yeah. Um, and just what you're saying is like taking that quiet moment for five minutes mm. to to center yourselves on on family, right? And 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 bring it back to like yeah, that example of the Holy Family. I don't know. That's what I was picturing when you were. Yeah. Yeah, that's examples. beautiful. And that reminds me of another quick exercise. Can I ask you to do it together with each other? Sure. Okay. It, it's five minutes. Well, we'll, we'll only do a minute. Okay. <laughs> they'll be quiet here. Okay. So turn to each other and hold hands and look into each other's eyes and make love with your eyes and your hands in a way that just expresses how much you love each other. All right, now we'll stop just for the sake of the listeners because they're well. If they they if they can't hear, both Monica and I are tearing up. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just share just share what the experience is, if you would. Um, well, initially, yeah. I, I was trying really hard not to be silly because that is, that is my default. Yeah. Like I default to that, uh, but yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, which is also the normal thing to begin with. Is <laughs> it's uncomfortable when you? Yeah, yeah. No, but then just so go ahead, and then just I was like, I just love you so much. Yeah. I um I liked the the holding hands part because um 
we like we hold we hold hands a lot and we hold hands falling asleep because you you like rub my finger Mm -hmm. just Uh and and so that was kind of like our, our our default of what we of what we did and i just um it made me think of what you're saying just that the privilege of mm. getting to do that every day, you know, and that yeah. little silly, yeah. it's not even silly. That's just that comforting it's thing. Small. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah. I forget that it, we do it every day. Yeah. If it, And again, I'll, you can say no to this, but if I can stretch you both a little bit, as you started to tear up, what was the emotion that you were feeling? I was just really appreciative of, having a husband that's willing to be vulnerable, like willing to tear up like that. I'm that, that me existing in his life was cheerable. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was just a very, um, yeah. yeah, Like I, I, I definitely struggle with like feeling like I need to earn that kind of emotion. And just for that to be Mm. like within 30 seconds. I, I was feeling joy because I, and I say this to you, like you're my favorite person and, and we talk about that on our show often, but like, just, I feel like I was able to pause in the moment and just be joyful for the fact that you're in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And just, uh, I wasn't trying to intrude, but just looking at each of your faces, it was just such beautiful love and tenderness between you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for yeah. challenging us to do that. that was, yeah. Was yeah. And and so just for everybody at home, just if you are in a relationship, take five minutes and do that. Get past the uncomfortableness. And mm. it's such an incredible bonding experience to, mm. you know, we don't, we don't take the time yeah. to just be connected like that. Yeah. Like to just really look at the other person and yeah. not. Yeah look around or, yeah. or say like interrupt right, the gaze by right. saying something or. Yeah. Or trying to be funny or. Yeah. 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 But being present. Yeah. And couples say, can we kiss? And I said, no, no kissing yeah. until after the activity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Bob. Thank yeah. you so much for, for the, for giving us this hour and being here with us. I, I'm, I'm excited to re-listen to this yes. as I edit it just because <laughs> there's, there's just so much wisdom that you, that you're able to give us. And in such a accessible way that I feel like sometimes the, the church's wisdom is seen as inaccessible or, or maybe dated by some people. And I think your work with, with the JP two healing um, healing center, you've been able to take the church's wisdom and really bring it to couples in a way that they can, they can really experience Christ healing. That, that's the desire. Let me just say, if if couples are interested, we do a marriage conference once or twice a year, and it's virtual. So mm. couples can do it in their own home if they can't travel to someplace, and it's called Unveiled. I think we're going to do one in July. My daughter Carrie and I do this together uh, in July, and then we're doing an extra one this year in Denver in October. So there's actually two this year, but most years there's just one. And, and where can so they find the information from All that? these activities— uh, on our website, John Paul II Healing Center. Okay. So all these exercises are ones that we do in the in the conference, mm-hmm. and it gets to be really powerful uh, doing it in person. That's great. Mm-hmm. So and we, I'll make sure to put all the links in the show notes. Say that. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I hope people go to the show notes because I work very hard <laughs> on the show notes. 
<laughs> yeah. So we'll have links yeah. to the books and the retreats and the, um, and the, the center itself. Um, I don't know. Is there any last, last message that you would like to share and make sure is said or anything like that? Yeah. Just thank you both for your walk through difficult things to have the kind of love that you have mm-hmm. that, uh, can then be not only a witness to your children, but a place of comfort to each other and also uh, a ministry mm. to couples all over. So it's it's such a gift to have young couples who love each other like that and who love the, love the truth. Mm. Thank you. Thank love you. Love the church. Thank you. Well, it's, it's neat to have... Um, it's neat to be able to speak to the person that has helped form that, yeah. right? Like that's, it's a, it's a very unique privilege for yeah. us to, to have this conversation with you and to meet with you. Um, and yeah, everybody check out, check out the stuff, check out these books. If you think that, gosh, any, any at any point any in your marriage or relationship, go ahead. Is it any and all of it? I yeah. cannot recommend it enough. Yeah. All right, guys. So, um, yeah, check out the show notes. Uh, follow us on sh- social media for some follow-up posts. Um, please make sure that you rate the podcast, uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, things like that. Um, share this episode with anyone that you think could benefit from this conversation. And um, we'll see you at the next episode. Bye.